This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Welcome to another Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. Wow, this past week has been filled with a lot of significant moments for me personally, but also filled with some historical significance as we celebrated things like the Mayflower Compact, as well as Veterans Day here in America and Armistice Day around the world. In fact, part of the message I'll be sharing today on this podcast, I actually developed while I was at the Veterans Memorial Cemetery on Wednesday, November 11th, in honor of Veterans Day and in honor of the Mayflower Compact and of Armistice Day. Now, before I share with you more about the historical significance of November 11th, Let me share with you a couple of things that were very significant to me, including that it was November the 10th, 2015, when I was told these words, Doug, you're in remission. That's right. For those that don't know, and you can go back to some previous podcasts, throughout uh, 2015, I was diagnosed with stage four, 80% aggressive B-cell lymphoma. My wife wrote a book about it, just came out recently, and it's doing very well, called God Did Not Do This to Me. And it's her perspective of watching our family and me go through what we went through in 2015. Definitely an unexpected detour in our life. And I know many of us have different things and challenges and unexpected detours that happen in our lives as we live out our life. But we know this, that God is always with us, and we can look to Him, who is the author and finisher of our faith. That being said, it was on November the 10th of 2020, something popped up on our, on our social media, which was a, a memory, and it was about what my wife wrote on November 10th, 2015. And here's what she said. We're on our way to MD Anderson for our appointment to receive the results of our last set of tests. Doug received a call from MDA asking if we were on our way to the scheduled appointment. In all of our time of treatment, we had never received a call like this. I had butterflies in my stomach and felt a bit nervous. I knew what we were believing for, but the reality is at any given moment, any number of thoughts ran through my mind. And Doug even confessed that he was a tad nervous too, especially after receiving the call. This wasn't a matter of not having faith that God had healed Doug. It was a matter of what does the journey look like that he is allowing us to walk out. With tears of gratitude streaming down my face... Lisa goes on to write, I wish to share with you all that Doug is officially in remission. There was no evidence of disease in the latest PET scan. We will return every three months for the first year to confirm that cancer is not present in his body. Lisa goes on to say, We know that the great physician has heard the numerous prayers of our friends and spiritual family from all over the world and blessed us all with a testimony of his healing power. We are forever changed through this experience. He has expanded my heart of compassion, taught me to pour out more grace, to be an even bigger giver, to appreciate the little things all the more, and the list goes on and on. After all questions have been asked and answered, Doug thanked the doctor for his and the medical team's care and attention during our treatment. He then asked the doctor for it be okay to pray for him. Doug prayed very precisely, stating that God had destined the doctor to do what he does today, to bring hope to the lives of many desperate patients and their families. In all the times we have shared our faith, we had never seen him respond like this in the way he did today, bowing his head, closing his eyes, and even saying, Amen, at the close of the prayer. In our opinion, it seemed he was touched 
by the prayer of gratitude that Doug prayed over him. As we were leaving the hospital, Doug didn't miss the opportunity to pray for patients and their families. He stopped and engaged people in conversation and then asked if he could pray for them. Doug will do what Doug loves to do, tell people about Jesus and pray with and for people and their needs. Lisa goes on to say, as we walked towards the parking garage, Doug looked at me and reminded me that we must stay in a season of thanksgiving. Like in Luke chapter 17, Jesus healed the 10 lepers, but later one returned to say thank you. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed or where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then Jesus said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. You see, all 10 were healed, but the one that came back with a heart of gratitude was made whole, completely well. And likewise, Doug reminded us that we don't want to just be healed. We want to be whole in the Lord. So we came home and took communion together as a family. Ashley, our daughter, prayed over Daddy and spoke life over him. As we do every day, we will rise and say, Thank you, Lord. We don't ever want to take for granted life, the opportunity to be a life giver to someone in need, And as a song lyric in a song our daughter wrote says, we want to remember to always share a simple smile. We don't have adequate words to express the depth of our gratitude, but nonetheless, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Our love and appreciation for each of you has no measure. May the Lord open doors to share of His goodness, and may we always represent Him well. And then my wife Lisa, in closing, wrote these words, I'm going to do a few glory jumps tonight. And needless to say, spent some quiet time in his presence after we returned from a ministry gathering. All our love, Lisa Stringer and family. Yes, we continue to rejoice, have a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving to the Lord and to all of our wonderful friends and all those who prayed us through that time. But you know, there's so many hurting people in the world today. There could be people in your neighborhood, people at the school you go to, people that you work with. All around us are people that are suffering through areas of anxiety and stress and fear. It's a time for us to let our light shine in such a way that they would see Christ living in us and bring life to them. The vision God has given us for 2020 and beyond is one of rapid expansion, not to build up our ministry, but to build up His kingdom. As we continue to assist in disaster relief and crisis response across the globe, we are cognizant that it takes local impact to sustain true transformation. These communities need the help before, during, and after the need arises. We need consistent resources to help those courageous leaders on the front line in their communities across the world. You can be a part of transforming lives by giving today at somebodycares.org. I don't know what your story is. All of us have different stories. All of our stories might have a different twist. But to those who are in Christ Jesus, we know this, that all things work together for the good of those who love God and called according to His purpose. And we know this also, regardless of situations or circumstances, we have a peace that surpasses human comprehension in Christ Jesus. You know, another significant thing that took place this past week, and I won't get into all the details now for the sake of time, and I want to get into our message about November 11th, but thanks to technology, I was privileged and asked to minister on a global call to many Iranian brothers and sisters around the globe. I was invited by Iranian leaders on this virtual call that lasted a little over an hour, and it truly was a privilege to be able to minister to my brothers and sisters, Iranian brothers and sisters around the globe. In fact, the host told me later 
that he received text messages from Iran, from Turkey, other European countries, and other places of those who said they were personally ministered to by the message that the Lord had me share that morning. Praise the Lord. It truly is a privilege to serve. Let us not ever miss our windows of opportunity, even in the midst of our personal challenges or setbacks, even in the midst of global challenges and the spiritual and political climate we're in today. As Leonard Ravenhill reminded me many years ago in a note, my dearest brother Doug, let others live on the raw edge or the cutting edge, but you and I, we should live on the edge of eternity. Yes, so true. May we all keep our perspective and may we not miss the moments of opportunity. And let me not forget, this past November 10th, 2020, was a 245th birthday of the United States Marine Corps. It dates back to 1775, just eight months prior to the signing of the Declaration of Independence, the Second Continental Congress established the Continental Marines. So to all my Marine friends, Semper Fi and congratulations and happy birthday. Okay, now to get back to what I was mentioning earlier in the podcast. November 11th is what we call Veterans Day, and I was at the Houston Veterans Memorial Cemetery visiting my grandfather Stringer's gravesite as well as my biological father's gravesite. My grandfather served as a veteran during World War I, and my father served at the end of World War II, during the Korean War, and the Vietnam War. So as we recognize November 11th, as the Veterans Day, and I'll get into more of what that means here in a few moments, it's also the day we remember the Mayflower Compact, which was signed November 11th, 1620. Many aboard the Mayflower, and who helped formulate the first governing document for the Plymouth Colony, were those who were fleeing religious persecution from King James of Great Britain. Let me take a moment to read what they formulated in what became known as the Mayflower Compact that was signed on November 11th, 1620. It starts out, In the name of God, amen. Wow. In the name of God, amen. We whose names are underwritten, the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign Lord King James, by the grace of God of Great Britain, France, and Ireland, King Defender of the Faith, and having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith, and honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia, do by these presents solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and one another, covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body politic for our better ordering and preservation and furtherance of the ends aforesaid, and by virtue hereof to enact constitute and frame such just and equal laws, ordinances, acts, constitutions, and officers from time to time as shall be thought most meet and convenient for the general good of the colony, unto which we promise all due submission and obedience. In witness whereof we have hereunto subscribed our names at Cape Cod the 11th of November in the reign of our sovereign Lord King James of England, France, and Ireland the 18th and of Scotland the 54th. Anno Domini 1620. I know that our history is not wrought with perfection, but the fundamentals and the foundation were established. When I look at the Mayflower Compact and the very beginning of what they signed, it says, In the name of God, amen. In other words, let it be said, This is it, in the name of God. 
And then they go on to say, and it says, having undertaken for the glory of God, for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith in God's providence, it seems to me to begin in the very beginning to say in the name of God, and then I'll go on to say, having undertaken for the glory of God, in the name of God, for the glory of God. Wow. In the name of God, for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. Now, when I was at the Houston Veterans Memorial Cemetery visiting my grandfather and my biological father's grave sites and looking at the numerous amounts of graves that were there of those who had served this country, served this country to protect its liberties, its freedoms, the fundamental rights that we all have, regardless of what the history has held, that we have the fundamental rights of the freedom of expression, freedom of religion, freedom of speech. These are things that we hold dear, but freedom has a price. And we who forget the price that was paid for our freedoms will eventually suffer the loss of those freedoms. When I looked around the masses of grave sites there at the Veterans Memorial Cemetery in Houston, I realized that the 330 million people in America, as William Penn once says, it's the great experiment. What nation in the world has that much of a population with the amount of diversity, people from every nation And we stop and think about it. It reminds me of Acts chapter 17 in an article and a podcast I did previously on being one blood, the centrality of the cross. Acts 17 says that we are one blood from every nation. And when you think about that, what a great experiment to start with to the glory of God for the advancement of the gospel or the advancement of Christ or Christianity. When you think about for God's glory, When you think about the beginning of the very foundations of this country is as flawed as we can be in our human frailty and humanity, the fundamentals were established that all people could gather at the mountain of the Lord. And so here we are, a people that are the most diverse people in the world. Yes, we have our issues, but we are the most diverse nation in the world. We're one people from every nation, one people from many nations. As Acts 17 says, one blood is Christians from every nation. So in that context, if we give the grace of God, the redemptive purposes of God to see where we are, even in our flawed past and humanity, there is a fundamental capacity for God to do a work in and through us. So when I saw all those graves, they weren't separated by political party. It didn't say Democrat or Republican or Independent. It didn't say what pigmentation of the skin was. It was a masses of people who men and women of courage, and courage is not without fear, but there was a purpose for God and country and freedoms and liberties that they all gathered and gave themselves to something bigger than themselves. And so we're equalized together as one nation. In the presence of God, we're equalized in the presence of a triune holy God. There's something about being a part of something greater than ourselves. 
And when I thought about that, yes, many, 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 many graves had crosses on them. Many had Christian faith. But that's the fundamentals of the foundation of our nation is that even as true Christians, we create an environment for others to flourish. So other faiths, there's a freedom of religion. There's a freedom of expression and speech for all people who come in the context of the Judeo-Christian fundamentals and foundations that we established here. I know there's legalism on one side, there's license on another, but we get back to the spirit of relationship with the risen king, a spirit of relationship with what God has given us to steward this great experiment to steward the most diverse nation in the world. We're We as a people, as the church, still have hope. We can be the heart awakened together, crossing our racial, denominational, generational lines. Okay, I get get off on my tangent here, but I just see the correlation here. When I saw how all these graves representing men and women of courage who served this country, served God and country, served for freedoms and liberties, they didn't ask who they were going to do it for. They did it because it was in them to do They were men and women of courage who overcame the fears and challenges of personal challenges for something greater than themselves. So when I think of Veterans Day being November 11th, on the same day we celebrate or recognize the Mayflower Compact, History.com says this, Veterans Day is a U.S. legal holiday dedicated to American veterans of all wars, and Veterans Day 2020 occurred on Wednesday, November 11th. In 1918, on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, an armistice or temporary cessation of hostilities was declared between the Allied nations and Germany in World War I, then known as the Great War. Commemorated in many countries as Armistice Day the following year, November 11th became a federal holiday in the United States of 1938. In the aftermath of World War II and the Korean War, Armistice Day became known as Veterans Day. Wikipedia says it this way, on November 11th, 1919, U.S. President Woodrow Wilson issued a message to his countrymen on the first Armistice Day in which he expressed what he felt the day meant to Americans. Woodrow Wilson said this on November 11, 1919. A year ago today, our enemies laid down their arms in accordance with an armistice which rendered them impotent to renew hostilities and gave to the world an assured opportunity to reconstruct its shattered order and to work out in peace a new juster set of international relations. The soldiers and people of the European allies had fought and endured for more than four years to uphold the barrier of civilization against the aggressions of armed force. We ourselves, he was speaking to Americans, we ourselves had been in the conflict something more than a year and a half. With splendid forgetfulness of mere personal concerns, we remodeled our industries, concentrated our financial resources, increased our agricultural output, and assembled a great army so that at the last, our power was a decisive factor in the victory. We were able to bring the vast resources, material, and morale of a great and free people to the assistance of our associates in Europe who had suffered and sacrificed without limit in the cause for which we fought. Out of this victory, there arose new possibilities of political freedom and economic concert. The war showed us the strength of great nations acting together for high purposes, and the victory of arms foretells the enduring conquests which can be made in peace when nations act justly and in furtherance of the common interest of men. 
To us in America, the reflections of Armistice Day will be filled with solemn pride in the heroism of those who died in the country's service and with gratitude for the victory, both because of the thing for which it has freed us and because of the opportunity it has given America to show her sympathy with peace and justice in the councils of nations. Woodrow Wilson. The United States Congress adopted a resolution that in June 4, 1926, requesting that President Calvin Coolidge would issue an annual proclamation calling for the observance of November 11th with appropriate ceremonies. And that was passed by Congressional Act and approved May 13, 1938, so it made November 11th and each year a legal holiday, a day to be dedicated to the cause of world peace and to be thereafter celebrated known as Armistice Day. In 1945, World War II veteran Raymond Weeks from Birmingham, Alabama, it says on Wikipedia, had the idea to expand Armistice Day to celebrate all veterans, not just those who died in World War I. Raymond Weeks led a delegation to General Dwight Eisenhower, who supported the idea of National Veterans Day. So Weeks led the first national celebration in 1947 in Alabama and annually until his death in 1985. President Ronald Reagan honored Raymond Weeks at the White House with the Presidential Citizenship Medal in 1982 as the driving force for the national holiday. Elizabeth Dole, who prepared the briefing for President Reagan, determined Weeks as the father of Veterans Day. It was in 1954, after lobbying efforts by veterans and different service organizations, that the 83rd U.S. Congress amended the 1938 Act that had made Armistice Day a holiday, striking the word armistice in favor of veterans. So President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed the legislation on June 1st, 1954. So from then on, November 11th became a day to honor American veterans of all wars. Wikipedia goes on to say that American effort during World War II saw the greatest mobilization of the U.S. Army, Navy, Marines, and Air Force in the nation's history, more than 16 million people. Some 5.7 million more served in the Korean War. So this past Veterans Day and every day, I am reminded of how grateful I am to all those who give so sacrificially, some with their very lives, to preserve our liberties and freedoms. As I mentioned earlier, my father was a veteran of World War II, Korean War, and the Vietnam War, and served as a UDT frogman, now known as Navy SEALs, and a navigator. My stepdad was a hospital corpsman and served during Vietnam War. My grandfather, Stringer, was a veteran of World War I. Although they did not die in battle, my father and stepdad both died far too young from military-related cancers. Interestingly, as I was looking at my grandfather, Stringer's gravestone at Houston Veterans Memorial Cemetery and looking at my father, John Stringer's gravestone, and I noticed that my father had passed four years, one month after my grandfather. Now, here my grandfather served in World War I. My father served at the end of World War II, the Korean War, and Vietnam War. And yet, they only, father and son, only passed four years, one month apart. My stepfather and my mother are buried in Waco. My stepfather, Randy Bowman, served faithfully God and country, served us as a family, and served during the Vietnam War. Coming to a conclusion... It is because of my love for our country that I grieve for the tragic and dangerous state our culture is in today. It pains me to see how far we have digressed from our foundations and the amount of disregard we have for the freedoms and liberties we have enjoyed. Today there are symbolic signs, sirens, and alarms 
that are screaming a resounding cry of the state of our nation. Just a glance at the daily news reveals to us just how volatile things are and that there is a battle for the soul of America and for a generation. We are looking for a sense of patriotism, but the foundations our patriotisms were built on is faltering. Let me say that I do not believe we must always be in agreement to be patriotic, but I do believe we should show respect and honor to those who give of themselves and to serve and protect us. All of us are beneficiaries of the many sacrifices made, the price paid, and the foundations laid for us to build upon. The freedoms and liberties we enjoy in the United States of America did not and do not come cheaply. Freedom comes at a high cost. I remember when my stepfather was stationed at Oak Harbor Naval Air Station on Whidbey Island in Washington State. There was a large billboard just outside the base that read, Pardon the noise, it's the sound of freedom. Just a few years ago, at the Veterans Memorial Cemetery I've been talking about in Houston, a rogue director censored the language of pastors and chaplains, saying they could not mention God or Jesus during funerals for veterans. How outrageous! I shudder when I think about how many men and women buried there were people of faith, who gave their very lives to defend our freedoms, including the freedom of faith, which was now being stripped away from them in their final resting place. My grandfather, as I said, and my biological father are both buried in that very cemetery, the very cemetery I've been mentioning throughout this podcast, Veterans Memorial Cemetery, Houston, Texas. After a bit of uproar from the community, from families, from those whose family members are buried there, that was overturned. But just goes to show how volatile our nation really is and how easy it is to lose our liberties and freedoms if we don't stand up for them. So despite these examples and the erosion of some of the values and freedoms that we hold dear, I believe that the heart of our nation remains patriotic. Not just those who have given their lives to protect our cherished liberties and freedoms, but the many unsung heroes who serve and protect us every day. Jesus said true greatness is in serving others, Matthew twenty three eleven. Let us ponder with gratitude, not just on this day, but every day, all those who've given their ultimate sacrifice and for all those who put themselves in harm's way to protect us and this land and your family and my family every day, this land that we call home. In one of my previous books, I quote the late Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole when he says, Morality by majority is a plurality by partiality. People who rule by personal prejudice rather than principle are in danger to themselves. The more a man lives his life on principle rather than personality, the straighter will be his course. Basic principles for true morality are found in the Ten Commandments. It is built on the first commandment of love for God. He is always right. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.